your Division II champions, Grand Valley State. Congratulations to the Lakers. For the sixth time in program history, they are the national champions. Grand Valley has its third national championship in four years. Grand Valley State celebrating a national championship in Division II. It's the Ankara Podcast, presented by the Grand Valley Sports Network. Hi again, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Anchor Up Podcast, a remote recording this time as new COVID restrictions have gone into place across the state of Michigan. From my living room, Jake Levy, still in the office, is Tim Knopp, but we talk over Zoom, keeping our social distance. Tim, how you doing? You staying safe out there? Great, Jake. Uh, yeah, keeping social distance from uh, everybody. Uh, the office is cleared out, so uh, we are working remotely and still plugging along towards January of 2021. Right. And much like 2020, this is just another thing. You kind of got to go with the flow and, you know, we'll always adapt and be ready to do. We did it back in March, but, you know, if you start thinking about these athletes that are coming up in the winter and how they were going into practice, we just announced schedules for basketball, for soccer, things were starting to look up and then this happened. So we'll talk about that in a moment. First, we want to tell you the Anchor Up podcast is brought to you by Metro Health. Your health is our passion. Today, we have Nick Kaiser on the show, the NFL tight end and former Grand Valley State Laker. He had an outstanding career here. Really a great interview. He was fun. He was pleasant. He was everything he was as a student athlete here, hardworking. Not much of a talker on the field, but we got a lot out of him at the end of the day there, Tim. Oh, it was interesting. Uh, Nick is a very soft-spoken individual. Um, doesn't really like the fanfare. Not really interested in being the recognized guy at the restaurant or when he goes out in Kansas City to do things. Um, would rather just kind of go home and hang out in the apartment and play some video games and, and then go to practice the next day. But it was fun fun talking to him. He had some great stories about uh, the, the tight end room there for the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes and the Andy Reid. So it was, it, was, it was a really great conversation with him. Yeah, star-studded locker room. It's a perfect one for him to kind of fly under the radar. But it was funny listening to him talk about you know, that, that surreal moment where he's lined up next to Travis Kelsey across the line of scrimmage from J.J. Watt to thinking, who am I right now? I got to uh, – actually, if you and I would have known this earlier, uh, when I was on football earlier today, uh, uh, Matt Vitsum told me a story. Uh, he was in a restaurant with uh, Bart Williams. Bart was visiting him in, in Kansas City. and uh, they were having dinner, and to the back, about th- three or four booths away, were Tyree Kill and uh, Tyrone uh, Matthew, the uh, DB. Yeah. And Bart Williams said something. Hey, hey, aren't aren't those Kansas Chiefs Chief guys? And Nick's like, who? Uh, I don't know. Are they? And so he didn't even. Bart Williams knew who they were. And Nick was like oblivious to two teammates were in the same restaurant. And so it was a great story. So, but, but that's who Nick Kaiser is. Yeah, he's a football first minded guy. And it was fun to talk to him. We'll get to that in a bit. But as we tease at the top of the show, we do have to talk about the new COVID restrictions. So right now, obviously, with the, the change in the way that people can operate, the change in openings of buildings, the changes now for the next three weeks, which was really going to be the big ramp up period. Of course, you have Thanksgiving next week. But other than that, this was really the time when basketball, men's and women's basketball, and then also soccer and all those sports were getting ready to start in the spring. They were going to start to kind of ramp up to their season. So it's a weird, another weird kind of rug pulled out from under them. 
right as you find out, okay, we know who our opponents are. Now we know when we're playing. Let's get going here. And then all of a sudden you have to slam on the brakes, it feels like. Yet another emotional hurdle for these kids to overcome. Yeah, and, you know, we've kind of gone through the fall and done, and done so well. And, and to be honest, the student-athlete population is doing awesome in terms of positive tests, or negative tests, rather, that is. I know very few positive tests within the student-athlete population, coaches, administrators, uh, student-athletes. Uh, so they've done an outstanding job. Um, fall sports kind of made it through their practice and were able to get everything in for the most part, um, maybe two or three days if, that they weren't able to, to finish. But for the winter sports, obviously they were ramping up towards playing, and now you get kind of the rug pulled out from underneath you again. So now you get someone starting all over and, and, and trying to build that base up and, and, and get it back to where you're going to you know, compete in January, hopefully. Yeah, and it comes back to kind of what we talked about with Alton Voss last week about kind of finding that intrinsic motivation, right? So now, like, now these guys have to go back to working out at home to kind of trying to do things on their own where they can still get together, but they all probably have to wear masks and they all have to do some things a little bit differently than they were doing and adjust in that route. So it'll be interesting to see which teams, and you know, not a, it's, this isn't unique to Grand Valley State. It's across the entire GLIAC, basically, with most of the teams being from Michigan. So it'll be interesting to see which teams can overcome this hurdle and which ones can't. That's going to probably, at least for those first few weeks of the season, Tim, be kind of the deciding factor, you'd imagine, in which teams come out successful. Yeah, I think your teams that obviously are, have the more experienced teams are going, to, are going to probably be able to push through. And, and those individuals know what being in a game is all about and you know the, the game day routines, things like that. The, the, the teams that are younger, inexperienced players maybe have a longer transition. Absolutely. Well, you talked about fall sports kind of winding down their, their fall camp, really, before they get back to going in the spring. One of those sports is football. Next week, we're going to get Matt Mitchell on to talk all about Grand Valley State football. But, Tim, you were out there basically all camp long, and you got a good look at them every day. What did you see as you watched that football practice mode, which was different than you'd usually see, obviously, in the fall? What did the team look like? What were some things that you took away from fall camp for GVSU football in 2020? Well, I mean, it's a really a great mix of, and, of, of guys that, you know, the coach staff was really able to blend in the returnees who got a, a little bit of work and kind of just kind of fine-tune things. But it was basically uh, great for those younger kids, the true freshmen, the redshirt freshmen, who didn't get in the spring to uh, compete, and the sophomores. So you really had three classes that you're really kind of focusing on. Seeing the development of those guys, our, our defensive line looks phenomenal. Uh, and and, and then there are some guys who weren't in classes this semester who weren't even out there. Uh, defensive line looked phenomenal. Coach Wooster has done an unbelievable job of the offensive line. Uh, you know, they uh, were able to, to uh, fit in a, a couple guys who didn't have the experience. They were able to get all the reps in the, in the spring. And that's what it was about, getting those guys that haven't gotten a lot of reps, getting them the, the majority of reps, get them a game experience. You know, our offensive line, I really thought, did a great job. And they were able to gain a lot of experience against, I think, what's going to be one of the best defensive lines in D2. Um, so, uh, you know, working through the quarterback position, uh, the wide receiver group is, is, is deep and talented. Running back room is deep and talented. So, you know, I, these guys are really itching to, to, to play other teams. Um, I know in the spring there's, they're trying to work some stuff out where they can play some opponents in the spring and some NFL camp like situations, uh, not game situations, but more like the Lions and Dolphins might get, might get together and practice, so, you know, two or three situations like that, and then uh, lead into the uh, fall of 21. 
Yeah, you mentioned that defensive line, which was really, really good last year, but you also lost your two starting defensive ends. It seemed like that was going to be a whole reload on that defensive line. We talked about it a lot last year, how the defense was so much more experienced than the offense, and could that offense learn quick enough to kind of keep up with what the defense was going to do. Now that offense has the experience, the defense, though, having to reload, and especially in that secondary. We've talked a lot about Antonio Strong this entire fall. He's been super impressive, but that secondary is really one spot that maybe gets the biggest boost from this whole COVID pandemic because they get to kind of replace all four starters and they get to kind of get some reps and get into it a little easier. Well, and yeah, and, uh, you know, they're not going to have the game, the game reps that, that you want going in, but I, I know one thing, the best thing for a defensive back is a defensive line is getting pressure on the quarterback. So, um, and I think that our defensive line is going to have that capability. Um, I really think they're going to go about 10 deep and be able to rotate guys in, in, in there and out. So I'm excited to see these guys uh, against some, some other competition. Speaking of reloading now as we turn our attention towards basketball season, which isn't too far away all of a sudden, and we'll preview these teams much more in depth as we get closer to January. But you look at what Mike Williams and Phil Sayers have to do with that women's basketball team. They lose all five starters from a year ago, a huge freshman class that's come in, not too much experience from those upperclassmen either because that senior class that just graduated was so deep and so talented and on the floor basically every single minute. So it's been a tough transition for them as well here now as COVID continues to impact their reloading attempts. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, you know, if you talk Coach Williams and Phil Sayers, they're probably going to go 0-18. Uh, you know, they're not going to win a game. They might have said that. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Said the same thing last year. But, you know, those guys, what they preach is, is how those teams play. And, uh, you know, we do have some experience coming back. Um, not as much as you before, obviously. But, uh, you know, they're not bringing in bad players. So, so you know, he, they, they get them coached up and, you know, they're going to play good defense. They're going to take care of the ball. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see those youngsters out, out on the court. You know, and, and with the guys, I mean, you know, they brought in some new players, but they have some outstanding players coming back and, and Van Tuberkin and, and Christian. And uh, so I'm really excited to see that group get, get together as well. Yeah, the men's basketball seems to be a ton of fun to watch. You have the post players both back and Van Tubergen and Negron, and you also have Gassman who can shoot lights out. You've got a guy, Delion Brown, that we didn't even talk about. Yeah, I, I Colorado. He might wind up being the best athlete on the floor every time he plays. Yeah, I can't wait to watch him. I mean, that, you know, we've watched him, obviously, in, in practice, and I know that the he was in the scout team last year. There weren't too many guys excited to, to, to uh, take him on in terms of the one-on-one situations in, in, in basketball, so – He's an outstanding player. He, he was a Colorado for a reason, came back home. He was in Grandpa's Christian High School uh, for his final year. And, uh, you know, maybe we can get another Joe Moderman type season out of uh, De Leon as uh, Joe Moderman when he came back from Iowa State. You know what? I wouldn't mind reliving 1996 with that one at all. The Anchor Up podcast is brought to you in part by Novacare. Discover the power of physical therapy with the official physical therapy provider of GVSU Athletics, also brought to you in part by PNC Bank the official bank of GBSU Athletics, PNC Bank, for the Achiever in You, and by Earhart Construction, the official construction company of the Grand Valley Sports Network. Almost time to get to that interview with Nick Kaiser. Before we do that, let's do our Lakers spotlight. It's brought to you by Ziegler Automotive. And this week's Lakers senior we highlight is Katie Chipman, a four-year first-team All-GLIAC honoree. She's a two-time All-American and was the GLIAC Golfer of the Year last year. She comes back 
here for a fifth season with the GVSU Women's Golf Program. And not only has she been great on the collegiate circuit, Tim, but she's also made a name for herself in some state, regional, and national amateur tournaments. So Katie Chipman's been someone who's really carried the GV banner all across the country. Yeah, you know, she's an outstanding, outstanding uh, student-athlete golfer, um, has done it in every, every event she's played in, be it against D1 competition, against professionals, um, and, and, and some of the tournaments that, that she's played in. Um, and to get her back for another year, I know Coach, uh, Coach Rebecca is extremely excited about keeping her in the lineup. And, you know, she's someone that you can rely on. Tournament, every round she's going to be in the mix. And she's that, that, that staple for that team. And I know she's brought in some outstanding players to, to play around her. But when you know you're going to have a top five finisher or someone who's going to compete for the medalist honors, that, that you know, it, it eases the pressure on some of the other kids. No question. And Katie Chipman, a hard worker. That's why she's been so successful for all four years at Grand Valley State. Can't wait to see what she does with her fifth year. That is our senior spotlight brought to you by Ziegler Automotive. Well, a guy who has gotten the spotlight in the NFL, Nick Kaiser, good enough to give us some time during his bye week last week. So we'll get to that interview. All of our guest interviews are presented by Alliance Beverage. Coors Light reminding you to drink responsibly, distributed locally by Alliance Beverage. All right, here he is, the NFL Kansas City Chief member, Nick Kaiser. And with that, we welcome on former Laker tight end and Kansas City Chief tight end Nick Kaiser. Good enough to give us a little bit of time here during his bye week. The Chiefs off this week. So Nick gives us some time. Nick, how you doing, man? Good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Great. Glad to reminisce on some GLIAC days and also look ahead to some NFL days. Talk to you a little bit. I mean, I know we got a ton of questions about the NFL, but first we'll start. How's your first season of playing in the NFL going? It's been good. Um, you know, it's been kind of a roller coaster, a lot of ups and downs, you know, as far as, uh, you know, just trying to stay even keeled with the motions of, you know, playing every week and trying to perform well and stuff, but it's been good. I've been enjoying it. Um, and we're winning, which is obviously great. So no complaints over here. Take us through that training camp. Cause obviously it was a little different with COVID this year. So there weren't quite the usual OTAs and all the stuff that would lead up to it. Take us through kind of what training camp was like this year. And then tell us about that moment where you found out you made the, the big boy roster, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, like you said, the training camp was a little different. We, we usually go to uh, a local college, like a small D2 school uh, in the area. We usually host our training camp there and stay like in the dorms and all that. And uh, they have nice facilities, but they like to get us like over there and kind of like all in one place. But we weren't able to do that this year. We had to do it at the stadium. So uh, we couldn't even do it at the practice facility. They didn't have enough space with all the guys. So we had to do it at the stadium and all our meetings were down in the stadium we had meeting rooms like with our position coaches like in suites in the stadium and um you know they had it was crazy they had uh because there's a the club level of the stadium is it's really nice like it's indoors and it's got i mean it's it's got like bars and little restaurants and stuff and uh they had they had uh like a fleet of golf carts that would drive us basically around the whole stadium because you get off the elevator and you have to go around <laughs> the whole stadium to the other side. And so that's where like our meetings were. So then they, they literally just had a loop with golf carts, just zooming around <laughs> in the stadium. So it was kind of weird. Um, but, you know, they tried to make it as normal as possible. You know, we're still meeting, we're still practicing, we're still doing everything. It's just kind of different location. You're wearing a mask, you know, trying to take all these precautions, but for the most part, it's, you know, it's still football. And then that moment where you found out you were going to graduate from the practice squad up to the NFL roster, what was that like? Yeah, that, uh, that was a pretty special moment for me. Uh, I, I actually got like a little emotional too when I found out, you know, I, 
at first like kind of hit me it was kind of like a wave of emotion but like I didn't really you know until I got home I, I drove home and I kind of like laid in my bed and just kind of had like a moment like this is what I've been working for my my whole life so it was kind of a kind of a special thing but you know I didn't dwell on it too much just kind of you know we go right into game prep that week so like there wasn't a whole lot of time to like sit there and you know celebrate and be happy about it just kind of had to move on and get ready to play so did you like see your name on a list or something or they have a personal meeting with you and let you know how, what was the moment like how like how did you find out i found out because they didn't contact me to cut me that's how <laughs> <laughs> that's basically how it goes really wow. like you, there's a there's a time i think there's a time on that saturday of cuts like there's a time in the middle of the day i think it's like three or four o'clock they have to have their final rosters in and so that morning, they they call dudes basically all morning and are, are letting you know. And if you get a call, you know, they tell you to come down, bring your playbook. And uh, if you don't get a call, then you're good, basically. But you don't really get a call telling you you make the team. You only get a call telling you you don't make the team. So you pretty much just have to wait it out until the, the time hits. And then, you know, and then, you know. But then even then, like, there's a lot of there's a lot of different there's a lot of different transactions that happen even after final cuts, you know, guys get traded. So it's like, even when you make the team, it's not even final, you know? So it's a weird feeling, but. It's almost like um, no news is good news. Yeah, it is. It is. But it's strange that like, you almost want that call telling you like you made it, like you did right. it. Congrats. Like, well, but you don't get that. You just, yeah. Hard knocks makes it look like it's so celebrated and so emotional. Yeah. Well, it, it is, but it's kind of anticlimactic because there's not like a moment. I guess the only moment is really, when the you know when the clock hits you know the top of the it hits the twelve at like four o'clock or whatever that is and then like shoot I did it. <laughs> you're staring at your phone just waiting for that clock to strike four. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of yeah you you kind of just try not to look at your phone all day, um, but we gotta you know you gotta be ready for a call. Right. <laughs> I guess if you don't answer it, they can't cut you right. Right, right. Were you by yourself? I don't know how to. Were you by yourself that for the most part during the day? Were Were you with other guys in the team? I mean. I think, I think since we had a game, like we had a game that Thursday, cause we were like the, we were the first game of the season. Right. So we actually had to be down in the facility that day. So like cuts were on Saturday. We had to be down there all day Saturday. So they were getting cuts out of the way, like as we were kind of showing up down there. Right. So if you were down there in the facility that day, you pretty much knew you made the team um because they were calling guys at like 5 a.m to, to make cuts because wow. they don't you know they didn't want guys to come in and do the you know because we we were starting a game prep that day and everything sure. you know they don't they don't have those guys come in and then tell them like at some point to pull them out of the meeting and be like hey like we're releasing you i, guess, I don't know it's a it's a weird situation um the, the, i think the hard knocks the way they do hard knocks are they like that you traditionally like know of like how you know when you watch hard knocks they used to have like waves of cuts and now they just do one big right. wave and they just do one final cut. They don't do waves anymore, um, which I think is good. It, it gives guys more opportunities to, you know, make the team and, and get more reps before, you know, I mean, if you get cut that first wave, you, you get kind of, you don't really get a lot of opportunities to show yourself. So that's right. true. I mean, you talk about your meeting room. I mean, there's a pretty good tight end that's in there with you and Travis, what, what's it like working with him? And has he given you any pointers, any tips? What do you learn from him so far? Yeah, I've learned a lot from him from, you know, from the first moment I, I stepped in the doors out here, uh, you know, 
I he was a, he was a player that I already would watch on my own, um, just as a tight end and admire like the way he, you know, the way he ran routes and the way he um, played the position. So when I first got here from day one, watching watching as his teammate, like kind of changed a little bit because then I'm able to talk to him and he gave me, you know, he's giving me pointers and he still gives me pointers. He's, he's got so much knowledge and so much information that he's constantly coaching us and helping us out and we have a pretty young tight end room other than him so um you know he's like a second coach in a way you know he's, he's always giving us um tips and just little tricks and just you know he, the guy he's the best to do it at, in the game right now and arguably you know we'll see but like in history so um it's pretty cool to be behind that guy and i and honestly i think being behind him and learning from him has honestly like giving me the opportunity that I have now I think my game has improved so much since I've been here and I think it's directly from just kind of like learning from him like I think a lot of it is because of that so you know I, I appreciate a lot that he's done for me it's it's helped my game a lot for sure playing on the Chiefs obviously you guys play a lot of primetime games what's like what's a diff the difference between like when you play a Sunday night football game or like that first Thursday night game in the scenes is there any difference between that and a regular Sunday game yeah, the, the difference is that you sit in the hotel all day and you're just like, what do I do? Like, you just sit around <laughs> and you're bored. It's like you're trying to – you want to, like, stay locked in. It's game day. But, like, you don't want to get overly hyped too soon because you're going to run out of energy if the game's at, like, 7. So you just, you know – and they give us a good amount of free time. Like, we, we meet in the morning a little bit, just go over some final stuff, and then the rest of the day is pretty much on you to do whatever you want. So, you know, you try to take a nap or something. But it, it's tough playing that late. Because you you know you want to play at the peak of how like how you feel throughout the day like your peak like I don't know I feel like I peak right around the middle of the day it's like I'm awake I'm I'm awake I have a good amount of energy but like if your peak if you want to if you want to peak at 8 p.m. I don't know like how you get ready for that it's tough. Well, here's the so thing. how to play at Stadium. What's that? How did night games at Lubber Stadium help you get ready for that? I guess that's true. Like we played a lot of we played most of our games were evening games um at grand valley so I, it's not something i'm unaccustomed to for sure but i was never a big fan of that either we would sit around all day i mean you're you right. know Tim, like, yeah we're yeah, you're right we're out all day and you're like in limbo you're like what do i do like i can't do anything i got a game to like right it's kind of strange but you, you know you just try to try to like you know maybe maybe watch a little film to like get, get your mind like like keep it fresh on what you know what's going to go on in the game but at the same time you kind of get your mind off a little bit you can't be sitting there thinking about it all day and getting hyped for it i think you you'd burn out a little bit but i don't know i i usually watch some tv maybe take a nap like it creeps up on you though before you know it you know you get on the bus you're down you're heading down the stadium and you're ready to go so you ever met like al michaels chris collinsworth and those guys uh, I haven't met any of those guys. No, yeah, no, I haven't met any of them. What? Okay, going back to Grand Valley State. Obviously, you, you come in, you red shirt. Now, when I was down there, was there ever a point in time when you wondered if if football was really in your future? And in terms of when you were going through college, J Jim Lewis said there was a time when Nick wasn't even sure that he wanted to play college football, and now you're in the NFL. Talk about that transition from you know, being at Grand Valley State and then going through the program and now you're in the NFL. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was tough. Like when I first got to Grand Valley, um, I didn't play for my first two years there. 
uh, you know, everybody got registered our first year. So like, right. I had no really no chance of playing then. But my second year, I had hopes of playing. And I kind of fell short through training camp. And, um, you know, I was disappointed. Like, that's a whole other year of not playing, sitting on the bench, like not getting any game reps. That's tough. Like, it was disheartening for sure. There were times where, you know, I, I didn't know if I could see myself, like, continuing to play because it's like – not that I would ever give up, but it's just like realistically, I was like, I don't know, like, will I earn a spot? If I don't earn a spot, like, am I okay with not playing and continuing? Like, because sure. obviously I wanted to play and I had aspirations. Like, I've had aspirations my whole life to play, you know, this level of football, um, the NFL. So I think, I think what helped me was just, you know, the, the people around me, like, you know, people that believed in me and kind of, you know, gave me, gave me encouragement and guidance. But, but I think I, you know, I kind of stayed true to my goals. Like, I had set, personal goals in my head that I wanted to make it to this level of football. And I knew that the only way to do that was to really just put in all the extra work that I could um, whenever I got a chance. So, you know, I, I, I put in time like in the weight room because one of the biggest things for me is like I wasn't very big or strong yet. You know, I, I needed to develop a lot into my, you know, into my body. So yeah, I put a lot of time into that and, you know, just stayed, you know, stayed true to like the process and, kind of just hope that it would all work out but yeah there were times for sure where I thought I just was real realistic with myself like I'm not playing it and I mean I'm in a division two level of football if I'm not even playing now like what are the realistic chances that I you know get to play in the NFL and um you know I still held on to that uh the hopes and dreams of that but I was real with myself too when but, did it become real to you that you could make it at this level pro- probably my senior year uh, my final year there at Grand Valley, they started throwing me the ball a little bit. And, uh, you know, I made a few plays. And then s- some scouts started coming to our practices and we kind of look, look out for, you know, for me and maybe a couple other guys. And, had, you know, I had a couple conversations with some scouts in person. And I was like, okay, like there's they're looking at least. Like that's mm-hmm. the first step. So, you know, just stay, stay on track and we'll see what happens. But that was kind of the – yeah, that was probably the first moment I guess I really realized – I had a shot because I always, I always believed in myself. Like I always had this like deep down, like I, like I, for some reason I know I'm going to get an opportunity. Like, I don't know why, like nothing really would like nothing. There's nothing that like crazy about my game that made me believe I, I did. I just felt like I had the potential. Like I felt like I could. So the moment where I finally like got that affirmation, I think gave me a lot of confidence. So like with scouts kind of looking in, looking into my play a little bit like that gave me confidence, I think, to finish out that season strong and then, you know, take advantage of the opportunities after that. And then, of course, the Lakers have a pretty good lineage of pros coming from Grand Valley football. One of them is Matt Judon. And earlier on this season, you guys went head-to-head with the Ravens. You probably had a couple of blocking schemes against them. What was that like to go against your former teammate at the NFL level? Did you guys talk about it at all? Uh, we didn't talk. I talked to him for a second after the game, and uh, you know, he, you know, he, he's kind of he's kind of big time now. He's got a lot of you know, he, he's got <laughs> a lot of attention, and uh, so he he knows guys on a lot of teams and stuff. So he you know he was kind of chatting up with other dudes on the team, and I just I just caught him real quick and just said, "Hey man, like good to see you out here." He gave me, you know he congratulated me and everything, and it was a it was a pretty quick conversation. But uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy seeing somebody lined up like right across from me on like a Monday night. Monday night NFL like football game that I used to line up against every day in practice. <laughs> like not like you know I had a moment like that where I was like that's that's pretty cool. Like it's especially for like small school guys like us. Right. Um. Yeah. That was that was a cool matchup. But we didn't you know we didn't interact too much throughout the game. You know I 
I don't I don't talk much throughout the game. Like uh-huh, with other I, yeah. I do my job, I run back to the huddle and uh so there was no moment during the game or anything like that. But but yeah. No, it was cool. It was cool seeing him there. He's a little bigger than he, or no, I guess not bigger, but he like, he's more he's got more of a dominant like physique than he did, I think, at Grand Valley. He's filled out. <laughs> well, so do you, I guess, if you're working out as hard as you are. Who's, yeah, who's the, the best trash talker on your team? What's that? Who's the best trash talker on your team? Oh, um, I don't know. I don't know who. I don't know who's out there like during the game talking a lot. I mean, there's guys throughout practice and stuff. I, I've been lined up like I, I remember being lined up to, next to Travis. So like, and he was kind of drawn at somebody like before the snap. He was. Drawn, it was. It was the first game we played at Houston. We were lined up. Both of us were right on the same side of the ball, and we were lined up with uh, like JJ Watt was like right across from us, and he was like talking some trash to him, trying to get in his head. And I'm just sitting there like I'm. I like I'm. I'm just trying to do my job. Like I don't think about talking trash. Really, that's not something that that's really been a part of my game ever. And I'm. Just, I just kind of chuckle because I'm like, dude, I'm. I'm like my hands in the dirt right now, and Travis Kelsey's to my right, and JJ Watts across from me, <laughs> and he's talking trash. Like, what a weird thing. <laughs> That, that is surreal. I mean, obviously, everything's been, kind of, everything's been kind of surreal with the COVID protocols and everything. You know, he's, every time they flash the sidelines, either a mask or the, the full-on gate, as Andy Reid has this year. What, what's Andy yeah. Reid like as a coach? Because we heard nothing but great things when you hear about it. Now, now you obviously get to work directly with him. What's he like? Yeah, he's amazing. Uh, it's, it's amazing to me, like, his mind for the game. Like, I never realized, you know, how, how smart of a football coach he is. But he draws up. You know, he draws up some plays and, you know, he, 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 it's like a science to him. You know, he gets everything. Like, he sees things. He knows defenses. He knows, you know, he knows how to get guys open. Like, it's pretty cool. And then, you know, he's got the respect of all the players on the team. Like, guys love him. He, you know, he because he – I think he respects the players in return. So, there's that, you know, there's that mutual respect that I think a lot of guys – a lot of guys respond well to. Um, and he's a funny guy. Like, he's got, you know, he's got a lot of, like, you know, the dad jokes that are pretty funny. <laughs> But, but yeah, he's he's a good he's a good guy. He's a good coach. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool being able to like be under him and you know watch watch how he runs a, a team and an offense and be be able to be a part of that too. What's it like? You see the crazy plays that Chiefs run. I mean, you guys have some crazy whacked out stuff that you almost see in backyard football. When you're yeah. in, when you're game planning and you have Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid up there drop plays, do you just sit there and go? How is that going to work? I mean, because I mean, everybody talks about it, but the Chiefs implement that into their game plan. Yeah. Uh, well, so, the, yeah, I mean, every week we they always come up with something. They draw something up every week. Um, you know, we always have a, a trick play, you know, in the back of our in – the, in, the, in our pockets, whatever. But it's great. Like, when they first install it, it's a drawing. You know, we're sitting there in meetings, and it's a drawing. And there's all these lines in the backfield. And I'm like, I don't know – I don't even know who's getting the ball in this play, <laughs> but <laughs> like it, and then we run in practice and you see how it like ends up unfolding and like, okay, like that's pretty sick. Like, and it, and it, a lot of it's about timing and position and, and they have it all figured out. So it's kind of crazy how they draw these things up. It's like, it's like, have you ever seen, um, Oh, uh, that, the Adam Sandler movie, I'm drawing, I'm drawing a blank with the longest, the water, boy, the water boy with the, the boy, coach, yeah. coach with like yep. the green, the green book. That's what that's what they're like over there. They have they're, they're like play masterminds over there. That's awesome. So, I guess you can do that when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes back there calling signals too. What's what's he like? 
he's a great guy, uh, an amazing leader. It's crazy. Sometimes I forget that he's, he's younger than I am actually like his age. Right. And he, does he carries himself like, like a, like a true leader. Like he's been doing this in, in like, he's been in the league for 20 years. I mean, like, like he, everybody has his respect. Like he's got the respect of every, every single person on the team. Um, he's got a, like a, a big voice, you know, just getting guys, getting guys excited and, um, yeah, and you know, and then just obviously he's he's an amazing player, so he just makes things happen, and it's pretty cool to to watch that and be right there for it. For you, as somebody who runs routes, knowing that he can keep so many plays alive and he can extend plays, what does that do for you when you're out there trying to run around and try to get yourself open when maybe a play's going seven, eight seconds all of a sudden? Yeah, I mean, you just gotta you gotta stay alive and be you know be on your toes at all times. Um, you know, no no eligible receiver in that offense is ever not an option because right. you know he. He could scramble out of the pocket and all of a sudden, you know, you find yourself open a void and he's throwing across the field while he's rolling out one way and, and like, and he'll put it right on you. So you really, you got to stay alive. You got to be ready for it. Um, and yeah, actually I, I had a moment where that really, I guess like it really hit me when that happened against uh, the Raiders. You know, I, I scrambled, got, got open in the middle of the field and he threw a, threw a bomb to me across and it was on me so fast I ended up dropping it it was my first first pass thrown to me you know part of it was I think the nerves but I ended up dropping that one that was tough to tough to swallow but yeah it's just you know you gotta stay open you gotta stay alive you bounced back though with that game against the Bills you had the catch late on I guess a quasi Monday night football game it was nationally televised but it was the rescheduled one. Oh was, yeah was that play designed for you do you remember that play at all yeah, we had a screen designed for me, um, and you know, I even that one like I didn't I didn't execute very well. I could have could have gotten some more yards on it, but but yeah, it was you know it was a rainy it was a rainy day, and I I had just dropped that pass against the Raiders, you know, so I was like, all right, like we got to catch this one, and finally, you know, I luckily I secured it, but I wish I'd gotten a little more yards, but you know, there's improvement. That's the main thing, just getting better. Knowing that that play called for you, what was it like when you were lining up there? Uh, you know, yeah, all kinds of thoughts. Try not to obviously think of any negative thoughts, but <laughs> but uh, you know, you get you get your number called and you get it's excited. Yeah, I get excited because you know it's it's my chance to make a play and you know my number's being called. Like I want to I want to be be a contributor and be able to do something with the ball. So it's exciting when you you know when you know it's coming to you. Take but. us back to uh, to last year when you're on the training camp squad or the practice squad. I mean, and you're going into Super Bowl week. What was Super Bowl? What's Super Bowl week like for a practice squad player? Uh, it's it's the same as every other player in the sense that you know we're down there, we're in Miami, we're in the same hotel, but you know we're getting ready for the game. I got to you know I I've studied the I studied their defense just like I was playing the game. The only difference is I know I'm not playing on Sunday. There's no pressure there, I guess. So. I'm just, I'm just a practice guy, but yeah, no, we, we, we did everything that everybody did on the team. You know, we, we practice every practice. We go to all the little events and all the meetings in the hotel, but um, yeah, it was a, it was a cool experience. It, it was uh it was a long week though, because we already had, we got two weeks to prep for that game. And the first week we of prep was out here in Kansas city. So we really prepped the whole week and then we went out there and just did it all over again, just out there instead so it just seemed like a long week. We were ready to play, but um, no, it was a cool experience for sure. Being a part of that. Outside of obviously being part of a Super Bowl 
trophy celebration and getting a ring at the end of it. What was your favorite memory from Super Bowl week? I mean, the I thought the parade was pretty cool. Like that was one of the coolest things for me. Uh, after the game, I thought that was. I just thought it was fun. It was so much fun being on the top of these uh, like double decker buses and like kind of going downtown. Like there were. I think there were like a million people downtown or something like that. Like there was a lot of people. I mean, it was crazy. There's so much red, all this confetti flying, everybody's yelling and we're on top of these like double decker buses and we're throwing, we're like throwing beers to people in the crowd and people are, people are going crazy and I'm like getting way too into it. And I'm like chucking beers, like, like, <laughs> like deep, like people are on top of buildings. Like I'm throwing, I'm throwing them like on top of buildings and like trying to, and I, somebody, somebody on the bus ended up telling me, like, okay, like, we gotta not, like, we gotta, like, <laughs> dial it back door because I was like, I was full, full on, like, winding up and like, I whipped a, I, I, I whipped, like, uh, we ran out of beers and I started throwing like we had pops, like I was throwing anything we had, because people wanted it, people, people were like asking for it, and I, I threw a, I threw a soda, like a, a like a sprite or something, and it. It, like it hit a it hit a little girl and, and I think like a little girl in the head she was on her dad's shoulder shoulders and I was like oh my gosh like that's I really need to stop <laughs> <laughs> okay so I don't about, talk about games this year okay you're Kansas City's known for their home their home field fans crazy what's it like playing in stadiums where there's nobody there and you're playing a football game in the NFL yeah it's a. Uh, pretty weird like it doesn't feel like a game um I don't know it's got a weird feel to it it's like almost like a scrimmage or like a joint practice because there's no there's no fans it's not like there's no noise um and, and teams have been doing it differently so there's been like our our team we actually have some fans so there, there's about I think we're like 20 percent capacity so there's like 15,000 people probably there and it gets pretty loud. So it's got a feel of a game, but it's still not quite the same. But then there's others like we played in uh we played LA our second game, the Chargers, and we were in their stadium. They had no fans, zero fans. And uh they had no like fan crowd noise or anything. So there's literally just dead, like absolute oh. silence. Just the game of football. That's all you can hear. And uh it, it's just weird. It, it almost yeah, no, it just takes away the I think it takes away the feeling of like game day a little bit. Right. Like and you kind of gotta you gotta come up with your own energy and your own juice, um, but it's it's definitely tough. I think we struggled that game partially because of that because that our first game was a home game, so there was still some fans and there was some noise. But that second game in LA, like we we just weren't we weren't ready for that. I think maybe or we just weren't used to the the silence, and it was it kind of like can kill a drive, you know? Right. Like if if you don't have if you you know make big plays made. Usually the stadium's super loud, and then you know you build off of that. But if you make a big play and there's just crickets, it's like how do, it's hard to build off of that and get the momentum going. So you really just got to come with your own your your own energy as a team. But yeah, it definitely it definitely changes the dynamic of the game. I think. Does that ever go away as the game goes on? Do you kind of forget about it, or is it always kind of like lingering over your head even late in the game that there's nobody really here? Uh, no, I think at this point we've kind of gotten used to it. Um, you know, we, we played half a season now and, uh, you, you get used to it, but yeah, it's, it's strange. I mean, yeah, you start, you get in the, you get in the moment of the game and all of a sudden you forget that there's anybody or that there's nobody even there. And, uh, 
you just kind of, you know, you focus on your assignments and what, you know, the plays and everything. So it's, you kind of forget about it, but it, it, it is a weird feeling at first for sure. What does Nick Kaiser do on a bye week? This man, I got all kinds of interviews. I got another one coming up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's not that many. Interviews. <laughs> it's it's okay, nice. I, Nick Kaiser, Nick Kaiser wakes up and he gets some breakfast and he goes and works out. And then he's done by noon with that. And then I'm pretty much hanging out the rest of the day, play a little bit of Xbox. Uh, you know, I'll talk to my girlfriend on the phone, hang out, just relax, really. Um, trying to trying to recover a little bit. I mean, my body's a little banged up. Uh, just really taking that. I mean, there's not much to do. We're, we're really supposed to stay confined, like, and in, in kind of, like, quarantined a little bit because of the, the virus, obviously. And they're testing us every day as well. So and there's not really much to do. And I don't have anybody out here. Like I don't have family, friends, or anything. Anybody out here? I live by myself, so it's a lot of hanging out, a lot of Netflix, running out of things to watch. If you guys have any recommendations, <laughs> what's your favorite part about Kansas City as a whole, though? The people in, in general, like it, it's good. It's good people out here. There's a lot of Chiefs fans. Like everywhere you go, there's red, especially on game day. Everybody's wearing a Pat Mahomes jersey or wearing, you know, something red, and so that's pretty cool. Like the loyalty there. Um, and, you know, yeah, yeah, I think that's probably the coolest thing. It's, it's pretty cool, especially when you're a part of the Chiefs organization. Like, you, you know, you get you get treatment and you get, like, recognition from people, and it's pretty cool. A lot of support. You found a favorite restaurant down there yet? Uh, no, there's a Mexican restaurant I go here. Um, and it's not, at least I'm that good, but I kind of like, <laughs> I kind of <laughs> like, I get this burrito there. I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, like, I'm a very routine person. So I don't like go to a lot of places. I go to the same places over and over again. So even if it's not good, they, what's that? Yeah. Even if it's not good, I, just, I, don't know. <laughs> I know what I'm going to get. Um, it fills me up, you know, and there's a Chinese place, same, same kind of thing. Like there's a Chinese place out here. It's, it's okay. It's solid, but it's, it's nothing crazy. Interesting. You haven't but, mentioned barbecue at all. No one's forced you to go down that road yet being down in Kansas city. Well, I've done that. I've done that. Um, plenty of time. I've had plenty of barbecue out here and I don't know, like people might hate me for this, I guess. And I like barbecue, but I like, it's just barbecue. Like it's not <laughs> oh, Stop the presses. Headline. I don't know. Like it's good. It's good out here, but is, is it that much better than any other barbecue? I right. mean, it's barbecue, right? Like, they talk about it all the time. I know. And I, I feel guilty saying that because I like it. It's good. But like my dad, like every time he comes out here, we have to get the, you know, we got to get the barbecue. <laughs> like, like, dude, it's just barbecue. Like, there's other food. Like, it's, it's solid. But... Let's talk about that. No, we, we, I like, I like the barbecue. Let's talk about the family. I mean, what the heck, mom and dad, what they do, NFL player, Major League Baseball player, and your family. I mean, t talk about your family. Who, who's going to get the bragging rights at, at you know, Sunday dinner in February uh, between yourself and your brother? I mean, I have a Super Bowl ring. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. Let's be real. Um, well, and my older my older brother, he you know he played at Michigan. He played football in Michigan too, so he's no slouch himself. He's he's done a lot. So yeah, it's it's pretty crazy when you put it that way. Yeah, it's the the fact that you know we've had three you know three brothers in the family that have been all successful at like a high level of sports. I don't know what you can attribute that to genes or luck or what, but it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. 
Uh, I know it's spelled differently. You had never been confused for Deshaun Kaiser, have you? Uh, no, but one of one of my teammates last year used to call me Deshaun all the time, just because like <laughs> I, he's more familiar with that Kaiser than me. So he just. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you close with on the team? Uh, the tight end, like tight ends, are a good group of dudes. Um, you know, some of the some of the practice squad guys, because like that was kind of my roots. I don't know, <laughs> something there, but. Yeah, I know a lot of the guys on the offense, like they're all good dudes. You know, the whole team, they're all good dudes. It's tough. It's tough right now because, you know, we don't we don't really get a whole lot of opportunities to like do stuff outside of football with, you know, with the, the virus. So it's like you spend a lot of time with your teammates down at the facility. But like last year, you know, it seemed like there were more opportunities to hang out with guys outside of football and do stuff like that. But there's really not there's not much of that right now. So it's really it's really just locker room talk and even then like they're telling they tell us not to be near each other in the locker room like because we have these trackers that that track like how close we are in proximity to other people in the building and if you're too close to somebody for a long enough time then you have a close contact with them and if they get the virus then anybody they had a close contact with it also misses like misses time so they're really trying to like keep us from like interacting with each other but has that impacted like team morale? Have you noticed like a difference in that regard? Just when you guys aren't able to do stuff outside of football to go? No, I don't think so. I it's a pretty like easygoing, like fun, fun loving group of guys in that locker room. So, you know, like you know, we're still playing playing games in the locker room, messing around, and there's a lot of energy in practice. And I don't think it really, I don't really think it affects it that much, honestly. Well, that's good. I mean, that's all the questions for me. Do you have any questions for Tim? Yeah, well, you, you said you have some questions. What's going on? How you doing, man? It's been a while. <laughs> good. I mean, we, you know, we, we text after games, and, you know, it's good. Um, yeah. You know, just ex- excited for you, obviously. Um, big yeah, I appreciate you, and it's, it's fun to watch. It makes watching Kansas City games even more fun now. Yeah, it gives you a reason to watch, you know, watch a KC game if you didn't already watch them. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's cool. Like, it, Things are going what's good. That? We're keeping busy. Uh, we obviously missed football season, but uh, I saw they're they're practicing over there now. Yeah. They're doing. Yep. What's that? Is that kind of like a spring? Like they're doing kind of like a yeah. spring ball type. That's exactly what it is. Uh, so the fall has kind of become spring, um, and then in the spring will be the fall where they'll practice more. They're going to hold some scrimmages with uh, three other schools probably, and then uh, transition to summer and hopefully next fall is a normal fall. Nice. That's cool. Well, hopefully we can get back to normal soon. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, man. Well, it's awesome to watch you. Uh, congratulations on all the success so far, and keep it going. Enjoy your bye week. Rest up a little bit, and hopefully we'll talk to you down the road when you got two Super Bowl rings. <laughs> yeah, I like the sounds of that. Appreciate right. it. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. All right. Here, guys. Have a good day. You too. That interview with Nick Kaiser presented by Alliance Beverage. Coors Light reminding you to drink responsibly, distributed locally by Alliance Beverage. The Anchor Up podcast is also brought to you in part by Homewood Suites Grand Rapids. Enjoy all the comforts of home at the only extended stay hotel in downtown Grand Rapids. Also brought to you by Uccello's, where great food and sports come together. By DTE Energy, know your own power. And by Mervine Beverage, reminding you to drink responsibly. And Tim, that was such an outstanding interview with Nick Kaiser. So many laughs. I think my favorite moment is when you try to bring up his little family beef and he kind of looked at you and said, come on, man, only one of us has a Super Bowl ring. <laughs> I know. I, that was awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I like the one about when he's lined up against J.J. Watt and uh, Kelsey. Kelsey's talking trash to Watt while, while Kaiser's lined up thinking, 
I'm supposed to block him. Would you, you know, don't get him riled up. I don't want to take the brunt of the punishment here because you get them all riled up. So, yeah, it's just great stories by, by Nick. and extremely, you know, excited for him and his future with the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, it took me like three questions to get to the bottom of it because I kept asking, you know, how would you find out you got made it to the roster? And he was like, what do you mean? There's no, like, there's, you just find out you don't, you don't find out you did it. You don't find out that you do, which I thought was something really cool that, like, obviously you and I would have no way of knowing. I right. No roster, so you have no idea how that works. So kind of like just looking at your phone, like, oh, it's 4 p.m. I guess I'm good. That was interesting as well. But so many great yeah. And again, big thanks to him for giving us some time during the bye week. Uh, you know, he's been working so hard at the NFL level, you know, not only dealing with COVID and probably having to go through some extra hurdles with that, but also trying to win games for the defending Super Bowl champion. Certainly can tie up a lot of your time. So big thanks to him. But uh, it was a great conversation. Super appreciative. Let's get to some segments here as we uh, start with our team of the week. And it comes from the pool. This week's team is the 2010 men's swimming team, and they Program best fourth place finish in 2010 with 41 All-Americans. Aaron Beebe, a GBSU Hall of Famer, led the way with two second-place finishes in the 200 and the 100 fly. And, Tim, you've been around covering swimming and diving here for a very long time, and that's an incredibly impressive not only individual but team effort as well from that swimming and diving team back in 2010. Yeah, it was. And, you know, they ride the, the bell cow and uh, Aaron Beebe, a couple of second-place finishes. You know, he, he finished – runner-up six times in his career before breaking through his senior year we won a pair of national championships uh the relays were outstanding that year and that's really where you, you where you boost your team score is by doing one of the relays just by getting to a relay final you're guaranteed um 40 points because of how, how the scoring structure is so the key is to get your relay team to the final and then regardless of how you do you're not going to fall below any any anyone in a consolation final so, and uh, that was an outstanding team uh, led by Aaron Beebe and, uh, you know, happy for him that he was able to eventually break through and uh, win that individual national championship. Yeah, and Beebe just came back for the Hall of Fame in Buffalo more than two years ago now that he was named. Yeah. So cool for him and cool experience by him as well. And I know that's one that you know you were really proud of and really happy for because, you know, I mean, the fly is a very difficult stroke in general. And so, like swimming so tough, man. Like it, to, to win those time trials, to qualify for nationals is super impressive. Um, and, and so congratulations to him, not only being a Hall of Famer, but he's also our uh, big highlight of the team of the week, the 2010 men's swimming and diving team. That team of the week brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield. Here for you now more than ever, confidence comes with every card. One more segment to get through. We have our great moment in Laker history. It's brought to you by the Randy Catterberg Agency. And Tim, I'll turn it over to you. Well, Alex Scott, uh, former men's golfer, uh, was two-time All-American. You know, in, in his last two, two years, be it be, uh, playing for Grand Valley or during the summer, he was outstanding. He uh, uh, qualified for match play at the U.S. Open, uh, U.S. Amateur, rather. Um, he uh, through the uh, tournament portion, then it, it goes to match play. He got beaten around in 64, but what an unbelievable accomplishment for him to get to that point. Again, two-time All-American. He finished second at the Patriot Games All-American event, and that is based largely on a Division One field that he played against. He finished second in that event. You know, and, and, and Alex, like Katie, uh, you know, the, the, that's your bell cow. They're finishing near the top, and it really takes pressure off your other golfers because you know you've got a top-five finisher that's just going to help your team out. So, you know, Alex is an outstanding golfer. Excited for him as, as he's embarking on his uh, professional career currently, uh, playing on the lower-level tours in Canada and the U.S. I know COVID kind of 
to cut his summer short, but they were able to get back out and play some of those events, and he's done really well. So excited for him and his future. And not only that, but he also kind of led Gary Bissell and this GVSU men's golf team to the next level. You look at guys like Charles DeLong, who comes to Grand Valley State, turning down some pretty big-time offers yeah. in the Lakers, and then another really good recruiting class this year as well that Gary's super excited about. We didn't really talk about National Signing Day, which was last week. We talked about that a little bit last week, but another really good class by Gary Bissell. He's done a fantastic job of, you know, of, of course, with golf, with such a small roster, you're not going to get a big number of guys, but to get those right. quality guys, especially when you're competing with the likes of the Big Ten in your backyard, the likes of the Mac in your backyard, is really impressive what Gary's been able to do year in and year out. Well, per, per the golf stat rankings, Gary's recruiting class last year, last year was the number one recruiting class in the country. Uh, so you have a northern school in the state of Michigan. Um, their players, you know, going against the likes of Florida Southern and Nova Southeastern and Valdosta State, uh, for Gary's class, he ranked the top in the country based on their first-year results. It was outstanding. And Charles Long, obviously, um, I know a lot of people have talked about him in the same breath with, with, with Alex Scott. So when you're being talked about with Alex Scott, you know you're an outstanding golfer. Well, he set the course record at the Meadows earlier this year, so that certainly will turn some heads. Shot a 64 at that course. I mean, I've, I've played the Meadows plenty of times, and I think I've shot 64 in the front nine at times. That course can be so difficult, and he makes it look easy the way that he plays it. I was part of a scramble where we actually shot a 64. Does that count? Uh, I'm going to go with yes. Yep, you're just as good okay. as All right, okay, all right, yeah. You yeah. and Charles are longer interchangeable. Yeah, right there. I'm going to go with it. It took four of us to try to uh, equal that score. And I, we, we probably used a few foot wedges as well during that score. Oh, I'm sure you might. I'm sure Jeremy Bulker kicked one or two every yeah. time. Good. Well, next week is Thanksgiving, so hopefully I have some safe Thanksgiving travel plans. If you do decide to travel, of course, travel is limited right now. So you hope everybody's staying safe, masking up, being as socially distant as possible, because right now, while, yes, we want to celebrate with our family and friend, we also want to get back to sports and get back to normalcy as soon as possible. So all of us doing our part to try with that, hence this remote broadcast here today. But, Tim, despite the fact that we're not sitting face-to-face, -face, always fun chatting with you about Laker athletics. Next week, we're going to get the head man himself, Matt Mitchell, in on this as well to talk about some GBSU football. So a lot of fun here to come still this holiday season. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And uh... – Take care of that new dog in the, in the house. That's right. I got a new little puppy. She's running around. So that's always good to have a little time at home to be with her as well. That's our show. Big thanks again to Nick Kaiser for giving us some of his time. And Tim, thanks for making this work with the hey, Zoom call. We'll talk to everybody next week. We have head coach Matt Mitchell on. This has been another episode of the Anchor Up podcast on the Grand Valley Sports Network.